Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the hosts, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain. Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? Player. It's just like a story chest of ideas. Toe Jam. Either version. I love both versions. Other special guests. Hi, this is Larry Grant, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. This is Mr. Hayes, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast, baby. What's happening, Australia? This is Tony M from the New Power Generation, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is St. Paul Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hi, this is Eden Nelson. You're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black (laughs) Podcast. Oh, it's pandemonium already in the background. You can hear them, the Peach and Black crew, joining me for another show. And this time we're reviewing, you heard that word already, pandemonium by the time before we get into all the stuff we normally do as part of our album review show let me introduce the panel from left to right it's player yant <laughs> toe jam Ugh, mashed potatoes gravy cranberry sauce stuff and and captain it's burning it's burning <laughs> <laughs> too old too ugly. too ugly oh geez and i'm rob s in the place to be on the show that uh reviews prince music but today we're talking about i guess you could say a prince related project to some degree but really this is our pandemonium review pandemonium is of course the fourth album released by the time it came out in 1990, the 10th of July to be precise, and it came out on uh, Paisley Park Records slash Reprise Records. Spoiler, spoiler alert, it's the fourth album and it's the best one. Oh no, he didn't just say that. You cannot be serious. You can't be serious when you say (laughs) that, but we'll we'll get into all that. Uh, Let's find out if that's the case. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get into our track by track album review, let's set the scene a little bit here. We've spoken about this, the fact that this is the fourth album by the time, but in reality, is it fair to say that this is the first the <laughs> <laughs> well yeah well this album has a lot of firsts i mean yeah. it's really the first that has the contributions Input. of the group yeah yeah it's the first album that has more than 6 songs per album so it breaks that 6 song tradition yeah um it has the inclusion of real horns so you get candy dolfer on there in some of these tracks ooh it's an evolution of a, another album called corporate world i guess somebody else will chime in on that Yep. Which was originally just like all the other albums, Prince and Morris Day. Mm. And then he took it off to Warner Brothers and they're and like, they said, nah, we want the members. We want the rest of the members to be involved. Mm. Very interesting. And so then only three tracks from Corporate World made it onto Pandemonium. Four of the others ended up on Graffiti Bridge. So it's as with many Prince projects, it went through like many things before it got to our ears. So. It's an interesting and, story. Like we've discovered with the 1999 Super Deluxe Edition, a lot of this 1990 Graffiti Bridge era sources a lot of these 
1981-1982 songs that are on mm. the, the, this album. The early years. God, I love that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it? Like Graffiti mm. Bridge and this album, it's like they're trying to hark back to this like nostalgic period of the early 80s. But you think about it, it's like it's not that long ago, like yeah. from their, in 89-90. It's like it's... It's only a few years ago, guys. Yeah. And yet they're already, it's already like, you know, has Throwback. this mystique of that era. Yeah. <laughs> they achieve so much in that short amount of time. That's what it is. If you think yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that's interesting about this album is that not only is it the time reunited, I guess, it's also a really big point to make because, you know, technically they split up around 84. So this is the reuniting of the band. It's not like, they were sitting around doing nothing and then they just decided to make an album. They're actually reconvening together again as an album. And yes, Morris Day is in the front, but as you guys all said, it's the uh, it's the full suite. So not only is this a reuniting of these seven characters, the original seven, I should say, and you guys have already touched on this, but it's also a bit of a, an anomaly to some degree because the music is not necessarily of its time. I mean... A lot of the music was recorded by Prince or Prince and Morris in the early 80s, which is what you guys have covered. But they've kind of updated the sound, as Player said, and they're trying to go for this mm. this new vibe. But, you know, it's not like what I'm getting at is it's not like a band came together in the studio and just started coming up with material. It's still a lot of it is dated back to those early 80s sessions. And Prince, even though he's not on the album cover, even though he's not really visually present here, his name does come up, you know, in the credits and sometimes credited, sometimes uncredited. We know a lot of the music came from him to some degree. So <laughs> I take a deep breath. You see that album cover? You see the album cover and there's hmm. that like detergent, like risk of detergent or whatever it is. And it's kind no, of a it's purple the cooking. color. It's, it's kind of a- circling. It's the it's the cooking oil. That's cooking oil. Oh, yeah, okay. I always thought it was like detergent. So. Nah, it's cooking oil. You're no, saying, like you're saying the purple saying, swirl is circling them. So. He's in the bottle. You're saying he's the genie in that bottle. <laughs> yeah. And also to mention, this is the first album with no Jamie Starr, technically. Ah, oh, wow. Yes. I didn't know that. Only in the thank yous. I think in the thank yeah, yous, he is, there he, is a Jamie he, Starr. He does get a credit in the thank you, yeah. But in terms of production, there's no Jamie Starr, which is interesting. Yeah. And also bullshit because he's all over the album. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. He's all over the album and it's such an intriguing release, which we're about to talk about. But he is, but he isn't. And, you know, even when you look at some of the uh, associated people on this record, I mean, they're all from the Prince camp. Yes, there's some people from, from Jimmy Jam's stable, but, you know, there's even a... Uh, when you look at the thank yous, there's even a thank you that says, you know, we thank our families, our friends and our fans. And this is from the time. Thanks for not forgetting and believing this album could happen even when we didn't. <laughs> so that tells you a lot mm. about undoubtedly about Prince's involvement here. But maybe we can get into get into that when we talk about the music. Has anyone got the chart numbers for this album? This album went gold. It went gold. So at least 500,000 copies. So it was certified mm. gold within like three months of its release. So did all right. Peak position 18 on Billboard pop chart and number nine on the R&B Billboard chart. Yeah, and, and to give some perspective, nine years after this came out, Raven to the Joy Fantastic was released and I think it went gold in a similar space of time as well. So it's like those numbers are not to be frowned at. I know back in that era, they were selling a lot more records. Artists were selling a lot more records than even 10 years later, but still that's... That's not a number just to dismiss. So, But Rave was a pretty much considered a flop 
at the time by those numbers. So I don't know why you'd compare it to that. Well, I'm comparing it or to Renato's that because... like Prince. Yes, exactly. With yeah. Prince's name on that, you know, sold 500,000. And here Prince is not really on the album cover. He's not... He looms large for the hardcore fans, right? But for people that love the time, I mean, there are still people out there probably to this day. Still don't <laughs> know. Don't, don't know. <laughs> exactly. They just watched a rerun of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and think, oh, there's that cool you know, Minneapolis funk band and have no idea that it's a Prince connection. But I digress. The other thing I will say is you guys touched on the fact that I think Player said this is the first album that went beyond the stretch of six songs and because this album has 10 pieces of music on here and yeah. five segues, which we'll get to. I don't. I hope we're not going to review the segues like full oh, tracks. But, yeah. Oh, yes, oh, we are. Geez, oh, yeah. here we go. <laughs> of course, they're not included in your notes, but that's to be expected. No. They're not. <laughs> but um, any final you know, trivia, fun facts, anything you guys want to say about this album before we go into the songs? Okay, I will say one more thing. <laughs> I was going to say this at the end, but I'll say it now. And I've said that a lot of times too. I got this album very shortly after I got the Graffiti Bridge album. Me too. I got that in that order. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I've probably played this just as much as Graffiti Bridge, which is a lot. Wow. Hmm. So I've got some things to say. Yeah, I'll probably make up for maybe some other people who won't say so much. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be interesting. We're about to find out. Okay, let's start off with let's start off with track number one, which is of course called Dreamland. You know, a lot of groups split up. And I say track number one, and it is track number one, but it's not really a song. Let's be honest. It's an intro, really. If you, yeah, yeah. If you guys don't mind, I'm just going to quickly intro to the intro. This is actually a pretty good intro for my tastes. It doesn't blow me away by any stretch like other album intros on other albums but it does get me excited and hopefully other listeners get excited by you know the the donnie simpson stuff and the chants and the crowd going wild and it's the you know the band reunion they thought it would never happen so it's cool but i am a little bit disappointed because i haven't listened to this album for a while contrary to (laughs) no contrary to some opinion on this panel possibly i have listened to this album a fair number of times, I will say. But Four. it's not on constant rotation. Uh, ain't going to lie to you. The thing is, though, when I picked this up recently, put it in the, the CD player and gave it a spin, I thought, because I couldn't remember it that well, I thought, Dreamland, that sounds like a cool, like, Ice Cream Castles type number, you know, like, Strawberry Shortcake or something. like. This is yeah. going to be really cool. And then what's the first sound you hear? And you hear that. You hear that, that the little music box or whatever it is, the twinkly thing twinkly thing but but then it kind of (laughs) the twinkly twinkly whatever it is but but then it lets me down because i thought oh yeah yeah it's gonna be that that old three flavor neapolitan type sound that i i know and love and then they just go into this intro so i like the intro but i'm disappointed it's not a full song with a title like dreamland man i wish that that was an actual piece of music a proper song uh and with that I'll hand it over to player. Yeah, I think what Captain was touching there was the same sound from Ice Cream Castle. Which you mentioned when we reviewed that. Like you said, oh, it finishes this album (laughs) and then it also starts the other one. And it blew my mind because I'd never even made the connection. (laughs) There you go. But I'll leave that for Captain. And now it's the first thing I've got in my notes. So we'll get to Captain when he gets to that. So I'll get into, before Donnie Simpson, you get James Greer. 
who's uh, named Popeye, and he introduces Donnie Simpson, who introduces the time. Oh, f- sorry, I should preface all this by saying this is Morris Day's dream. And yeah. he's snoring. He's kind of coughing and spluttering during his dream. He sounds like he has sleep apnea or something. I mean, I get it's part <laughs> of the comedy, but he sounds he sounds like he's having a lot of trouble sleeping. But anyway, so you got James Greer, and he sounds like Reverend Brown introducing Randy Watson in Coming to America. He's like, I want you to put your hands together. Come on, put your hands together and stomp your feet. I'll come to the stage, Donny Simpson. <laughs> it's exactly the same as uh, Randy Watson. Yeah. Yeah. But you got Donnie Simpson from Video Soul comes out, does this nice intro about the time. And then, yeah, kind of, it's this dream sequence. And then you've got, um, you know, Morris entering this club and there's this music in the background with this piano and stuff. Really, and like this whole intro track is credited to Prince. So, you know, it's kind of weird. I don't know if it's his idea. It's, surely it's not his script. I mean, these sounds like words from Donnie Simpson. So... It makes me wonder what part of this track is Prince. Is it the idea? Is it the little piano that's in the background of the club where he says, where Morris says, what's this playing? Because that sounds really princey. So is that an unreleased song? We'll probably never know until we get the um, special deluxe edition of Pandemonium, I guess. But yeah, it's it's credited to Prince. But yeah, interesting track. But anyone else want to take this dream sequence off me? I'll just say, um, I think it's credited to Prince because I imagine he put it together. Like, you know, put all the bits together and then just had Morris record some snoring over it. I'm not a big fan of it. I skip it nine out of ten times because it goes too long for a little it's intro. Too long, yeah. 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 It's like it would have been exactly. good as is as he starts the dream and then the band kicks, kicks in. I think that would be better, but then it sort of fades away and then he wakes up and it's like, oh. Yeah, that's um, jarring, yeah. But yeah, that's all i got to say about it. And now we pass the mic to Captain. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, Player brought this up when we talked about Ice Cream Castles, how it ends with that music box sound and then it kicks off this album as well. And it's it's such a good, it's such a smart link because who, how many times? Who does that? It's just, um, it's a good thing. Just in general on the skits on this album. The funny thing about these skits is, like Player said, Prince is listed as the writer of all of them except the last one, The Pretty Little Women at the end. Uh, that doesn't have any input from him, but all the other four, the first four, Prince is listed as the writer. So I just think of all the skits that he's put down, usually not on his own albums. Look at Exodus has begun. Exodus, yeah. Look at MPG's first album. Look at just not his... He's done a couple on his own thing, but it's mostly... This is the funny sense of humour thing for the other people to put on their album. Everyone knows he was a songwriter, but he was this comedy writer on the side writing these ridiculous <laughs> skits, which just blows my mind. Because, you know, how many times are people going to say, oh, Prince had the greatest sense of humour? People don't know that. Yeah, we do. It's pretty bloody obvious if you listen to all the stuff. But he loved it. He loved doing this stuff. And it, it's a similar kind of theme. It's a theme that keeps popping up throughout his career like this idea of busting into the club and being like hey what's going on here no 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 you know put that stop that yeah. record record spin and bullshit put something yeah. else on yeah. and, <laughs> yeah. you know black mf in the house and this one and the one from exodus it's, it's this theme that keeps popping up he, he loved it captain you say he he loves it and i do agree with you but i think there's also another reason which is it's his way of inserting himself into the fabric of albums that don't bear his name you know like this is my way yes it's funny and I'll, I'll do this kind of humor bit piece on the side but he's all throughout the record and the other thing that's clever about that is from a copyright perspective um, you know we all know that he's got credits on the songs but if he's writing the segues you know every couple of tracks there we go you know here he is again it's like don't forget 
I own this, basically, is what he's saying. And I'm not, <laughs> suggesting, I'm not suggesting that that's the first reason or the primary reason, but I don't think it would be too far gone a conclusion to, to say that he, he was, you know, we knew he was well, a clever businessman as well. I can't believe we're talking this long about the segue to this album, but you just made <laughs> me think of something else, is we know The Time, the NPG, their solo albums. That was an outlet for a certain type of music which he didn't want to put out under his own name. Hmm. It's exactly the same with these comedy skits. He put them out for the time. He put them out for the NPG, but not for himself. So it's the same idea. You know, I want, you know the brand of Prince doesn't put out songs like Black yeah. Motherfuckers in the House, but NPG can. And again, I'm not going to put Mashed Potato Girl on a Prince album, but I can put it over there just on the side where most people will know that it's me anyway but to the general public i've i'm still maintaining the proper you know brand of prince pop star yeah so it's very interesting the way he does these things and prince albums don't have segues and yes there are examples of like little instrumental segues or bits that tie pieces together but i'm talking about the segues that are on this album and other albums like you just said Prince never did that. He always did it on the side project or, you know, under another name. Or something. Well, the, only, yeah. the, the only two I can, yeah, I can think Ooh, of is a Symbol album, me, yeah. a Gold Experience, but they're not comedy. They're not skits. Yeah. They're just, they're part of like some concept album, some story. It's progressing the story, but he never becomes a goofy. He doesn't yeah. like just become a, a total goofball. Yeah. yeah, he saves that for the side. It's just interesting. But anyway, out of all these, this specific first track, this is probably my least favorite of the five on this album because it's not it's not funny. It's just an intro. Oh, the time they're re- reunited. Yeah, great. Everybody clap. And then we get into it's, the album. It sets up the story. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's a setting is, up of a story. Yeah. Which also, when a band's been totally disbanded for, you know, close to six years, you know, it's probably good to have an intro just to remind people, you know, oh, remember these guys? Well, you've bought yeah. the album. You probably do remember. But anyway, here you go. Here you go. Remember now? <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> okay, that's again. all I got to say. First song, okay. talk too long as usual. Now let's go into the actual first proper song, which bears the same title as the album, Track 2. Title track! Pandemonium. the name of this piece of music and again i'm gonna go left to right on this one player what are your thoughts on this track so it opens up with this massive big reverb boombastic beat i mean you can really notice when it it drops it's really sort of driving and it's really got that sort of late 80s early 90s boombastic sound about it and i think you know it's something that's sort of evolved i think from david z you know with kiss and then fine young cannibals and all that sort of stuff it's kind of got that sort of big sound about it um the synth pad vamps at the end of every phrase are really nice um the guitar in the background of the second verse is really cooking as well um the instrumental section from 2 minutes 30 to 247 is a nice break section where you can hear everything that's going on in the instrumentation that's really nice and there's an interesting noodling organ sound in the background of that aristocratic black chant. You hear it mm. if you just listen in the background and just hear that organ. It's really, really nice. Now, to mind, this is the, the weird part. I think initially Prince wasn't credited to this track. And then like a couple of years later, the, the copyright submission was revised and he was added to it. Mm. And I think it's got to do with that aristocratic black because yep. that was in Murph That's Drag. It. Right. So that's weird. So I, I I would say this is like 
aside from that chant, this whole song is mainly like a time, like Jimmy Jam, Terry Time yeah. production. Yeah, and uh, Jesse Johnson. So we should clarify, Murph Drag was a track that was on the Corporate World album, right? That never yeah. made Correct. it. Correct. Yeah. yeah. But it did get released, if I'm not wrong, through MPG Music Club at some point. Really? Uh, uh, I think it was on the yeah. uh, MPG audio shows. Not the same whole thing. album, I don't think. No, 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 no the, song, track, the song. Murph Drag. Murph, uh, Murph Drag. Yeah, it came uh, out on one of the like, audio shows, number whatever. Yeah. So technically that's officially released. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Nine Lives and Corporate World are the only two tracks left which haven't been officially released from Corporate World album. So, yeah, I'll leave it at that. But I really like this opening. I think it's really cool. It's, it's a really fun track. It's really nice to open the, up the album with... Um, it gets the party started. You know, it's really lively. I reckon it's really great. Love it. All right, all right. Uh, Toe Jam, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's it's good. It's um, straight away when I hear it, I think this is the time sound, but it's like in stadium like mode. Yeah. You know, there's so much reverb on reverb, everything. Reverb, yeah. <laughs> it's you know, but it's got classic big Minneapolis synths. It's got that held synth string note that just holding in the background through the choruses and everything. So yeah, it's really classic time kind of sound. But just yeah, like I said, just everything's pushed up, reverbs to the max, and it just sounds like it's in a stadium. Yeah, so there's really not much to it, though, after that. Once that initial hit, there's not much to it. It's just a groove. There's not really much of the verses, really. This is the theme I'm going to say throughout this album is, I don't know what the hell Morris is saying half the time in the verses. (laughs) his, His vocals just don't cut through, and I can't hear what he's saying half the time. There's a lot of chicken grease in here. There's a police siren in there uh, oh. towards the end. That that chant at the end is just, it's so hilarious. You know, fellas, hey, I'm, bla- I'm back. The aristocratic black. My whip ain't got no crack, but it got a hell of a bang. It's like, <laughs> this is the most whack chant you could, like, hey, everyone, let's get everyone in the stadium talking about my whip ain't got no crack. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that's so, Prince's great contribution to this track. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the title's great too, Pandemonium, like, you know, just total craziness. And you can imagine this big stadium, everyone's going off at the time. So, I mean, for me, it's kind of a bit underwhelming after the first kind of 30 seconds because it starts really good and you're like, oh, yeah, the time's back, mother. Yeah, here we go. And then it just kind of sort of falls into it. It's sort of, there's not much else to it really, I think. So... It's okay. It's good. Your mother. From okay to good to, to <laughs> me before we I hand it over to Captain to round it out. I find a similar thing that it starts off like from the get-go, it's big, it's brash, everything that you guys have already said, but then it fizzles out towards the end. Like as Toadjam said, there's not too much to the song. And then by the time it's halfway through, it just kind of there's not a whole lot of change. It doesn't really change up much. It's it's just a, a chant towards the end and and to, to round it all off. But I have to admit that for the first official full-length track on this reunion album, if we can call it that, I'm a little bit underwhelmed because in the first 30 to 45 seconds, I'm super, super hyped, mainly because of the production. Like this is that Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis production straight away. It's the first clue. If you've never heard the album before, for example, and you just heard that, you'd be like, oh my goodness, the time have like literally gone forward in time, pardon the pun, and created this new look and feel and most importantly sound for themselves off the back of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis production values. Like the drums on this are straight from some long lost Janet Jackson album, without Mm. a doubt. Like take take off anything 
off the two records that she did prior to this coming out. And it's basically the same drum sound. This is not Minneapolis drum sound by any stretch. It's Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, which is fantastic. But even though it like kind of upgrades the sound to a degree, it takes the Minneapolis sound with a hit of the hit factory and then Jam and Lewis bring in their vibe to it. It fizzles off. And that's my biggest thing that disappoints me with this song, not the album, just this song. It's like, man, why would you not put the bangers at the front of this album rather than this the other way around. This is the banger. Why? Exactly. <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge... This is the title track. I know, yeah. I know, I know. It's the title track, but it, I'm just not... Compared to some other music on this uh, record, without spoiling my review too much, this is definitely one, for me, one of the the more forgettable ones. I, what? I, um, I do... I it hasn't do got like... a hell of a bang. <laughs> See, I knew I this do. was going to happen when he's only heard the album three times. I just knew I it. I do like, I do, I do like and, and laugh uncontrollably at the lines, uh, draws shaken, it's pandemonium, draws a shaken, it's pandemonium. Like that's, that's just hilarious to me. Very, very funny. But yeah, the humor alone is not enough to make this a, a, a classic for me by any stretch of the imagination. Take the mic, Captain. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's straight. I know that sound you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. See, because we listen to the song. But no, no, but you know what? That's a trademark of Jam and Lewis. That he they inserted yeah. into Janet Jackson tracks. Yep. They inserted yep. into other Time album tracks. It's like their watermark in their. It's, huh? If you know, yeah, that that <laughs> you go and listen to Janet Jackson, you'll hear yep. like that in it. It's everywhere. Go go check it out. Go listen. This song. Play it. Do you remember when we talked about hearing Housequake from the Nude Tour? Yep. And we thought the same thing. We're like, this is what Housequake sounds like in the future. Because it just had these <laughs> massive reverb stadium drums. And then <laughs> yep. as soon as this song starts, it's the same thing. It's like yep. from 1984 to 1990, you're like, this is what the time sounds like in the future. It's exactly the same thing. <laughs> and funnily enough, it's the same time period. It's 1990. This was the thing. But you know what else? Like, Graffiti Bridge is like a sequel to Purple Rain. And Purple Rain is like Battle of the Bands. So, you know, Prince has got this kind of like really boombastic sound with New Power Generation and all those sort of songs. So, the time had kind of got to be at the same sort of level. So, production-wise, you know, they, they're kind of going to have to, you know, be at the same level as this, you know, kind of this digital sound in the 90s and all this sort of stuff. So, I understand, like the, the mm. upgrade to that sound for it you know like if you listen to say the four time tracks on graffiti bridge and you listen to the corporate world album they have a very different sound to this album like you can yes. see where prince wanted the time to be going for this fourth album yeah but then you know the record company had other ideas but he still kept that sound for the time tracks on graffiti bridge but then on this album had notes from the record company like this is what needs to happen here so it was just interesting how that happened. But this was this was going to be one of the singles. But then they decided to release Chocolate instead. I think Chocolate was probably the better choice. This song, MC was saying this song fizzles out. I don't get that at all. It starts, it, you know, it starts up at freaking 11. And it just stays there for me all the way to the end. It doesn't fizzle out at all. I like this song. I don't have much to say about the song itself because, like MC said, it doesn't do a lot, but I don't think it fizzles out. I don't know what else I can say. You've fizzled out. You've fizzled yourself out. <laughs> yeah, it's... because the track didn't, I had to. So yes. that's how it works. <laughs>
Okay, well, with that, we go into another uh, Rob S. favourite. Oh. oh, one more thing, which I only noticed literally five minutes ago. Oh, for the... someone who's probably only listened to the album four times. Um, <laughs> no, I've listened to it a million but I just realized a reference right now is the Sly Stone reference in this song. In the chorus, there's a riot going on. No, I never noticed that before. There. There's another one in the album coming up. Ooh, okay then. Okay. <laughs> well, mm. Okay, so with that, we go into, I hate saying track number three, but it is track number three on your CD, if, you're, if you've Ooh, still got that. 23 seconds of it. <laughs> Sexy socialites. Who cares? Girl, is he still going on with Tracy? She should dump him. Wish you would, because I think he is so cute. Let's, people are jer- pe- people are jerking out in the background. Toe Jam, no, take I it think, away. Let's let's be real here. This is just the intro to jerk out. I don't know if we need to do it as a separate thing. So. Oh yeah, we do. Oh okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I got <laughs> nothing to say about it. Well, Toe Jam's got nothing to say. Uh, Captain, today's your day. Let's do this. I love the sound of this track. <laughs> it's <laughs> like just, just is this the, the bombshell that you've got. <laughs> <laughs> no, that drum beat And then when the girls start talking You've got these funky little I thought it was oh, a guitar yeah. But it's probably actually a keyboard It's keyboard, probably a synth yeah. Just do with this funky little thing And it's only there for like one bar Two bars And it's I, I want a whole song based on that Yeah But then it goes into right. Jerk Out And it's That part might actually be in Jerk Out Buried somewhere But I just like that little bit Because you can hear it by itself And I like those girls I like their accent <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually completely good. forgotten that um, this was a segue because years and years ago when I you know ripped this album off my CD, I'm like, I'm not going to have a 20-second sample. And I really like that. <laughs> I like the sound of it, so I stitched the two together. Yeah. So for me, it's that's that's jerk out. It just starts like that. I'd totally forgotten that it was actually like a segue. Right. Is that Morris Day over there? Who cares? <laughs> he should dump it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just, we've got time. Let's just recreate the whole thing. <laughs> Peach and Black, Girl, recreate please. the pandemonium. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Okay. Uh, player, have you got any anything about this? I, I really don't. No, well, I don't either. I mean, the girls just speak with such attitude. So, you know, it does nothing for me. So I think the funniest thing about it could be the title is Sexy Socialites. It's like, okay, they might be sexy, but is socialites the right word to describe these girls in the club? I don't know. Well, it's just a funny it, name track well, to me. Well, maybe the next track or the two tracks after the next track might go into a little bit of that. Let's do this. Track number four. It's the single, Jerk Out. The master of the jerk out. Hey, oh, got to make some love tonight. Oh, I make some love. Um, jerk it, who do I go to on this? <laughs> Player, why, why don't you hit it off again? How much money okay. you make? <laughs> More than your lifetime. <laughs> um, this was one of those December 81 outtakes initially, I think. It was intended yep. for what time is it initially? Then it got handed off to Maserati in 85 and they worked on it and then didn't use it. And then it ended up here. And I think they've incorporated some of every, a bit of everything from the past into the track as well as put a whole heap of new stuff into it. So there's a bit of everything in here. And this is really interesting because it has the same controversy guitar lick running through it. Oh, damn it. (laughs) It's, you know, it's more isolated and prominent on the sexy mix, the remix version at the 32 seconds mark. But that Telecaster is all over this. Like it's the same groove, that same groove. The beat and the synth swells throughout, you know, coming off the back of this 1999 Super Deluxe, that irresistible bitch. Yeah. Those same sort of stock sounds that he's pulling out of these machines, the Lindrum and the Oberheims and all that, they're reappearing here. It's the same thing. Like, it's great how these 
sounds it's like in all these tracks it's really cool this has really you know a real groove to it i really like this song the lyrics are a real player fest that fits the morris day persona you know you've got the first verse he's getting ready for the club the second verse he picks up at the club the third verse he's done the deed and he's kicked her out of the bed all within a minute and 50 seconds it's amazing like when he when he asks her what's your number girl that's a classic case of shooting first and asking questions later let me tell you (laughs) (laughs) spoken like a true player (laughs) around the six minute mark he starts pulling out those classic purple rain dialogue you know you should see my home it's so nice that's a nice throwback within the track Uh, the terry lewis bass breakdown at 239 that's classic fire it's got the cowbell in the background. But the undoubted highlight at 253 and Cut again at 350. Jesse. Yep. Is that blistering guitar solo from Jesse Johnson. The Cut Him Jesse and the crossover one. Like you can tell Prince doesn't have a tone like that. Like a guitar tone like mm. that. You know, it's just uniquely Jesse. And even when, when Morris and the band come back in with the vocals after that solo, you can hear Jesse going off in the background all the way up to about 510. It's crazy. Like, you know, when you isolate it, it's ear candy. And I also, I'm going to make a special mention of the remix version, the sexy mix. That's really cool. I really like that. It's kind of got that Madonna Vogue kind of house beat to it, similar style, but there's some really cool moments that pull out certain elements in the mix of this song that you can hear a lot better in that version. So yeah, I I love this track. Whoever told you you could sing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Captain's cracking up in the background already. Captain, why don't you take the mic away from Mm. me? This was the first single released two weeks before the album, and it did pretty well. Got to number one on the Billboard R&B chart, number six on the Billboard Dance Music chart, number nine on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. That's pretty good. Uh, That's pretty damn good. Player said this is one of the oldest songs on this album from 1981, pretty much a Prince production, but again, thanks to the record company, we get to hear the rest of the band as well, which is good. That even though this was an older track, the 90s production seems to work fine on this track. It doesn't work on so well on some others, which we'll get to later, but this one's okay. But this is one of those songs which a lot of people seem to like, and I just think it's okay. <gasps> what? Ooh. I don't love this song. I love other songs on this album. And this one's, this one's okay, but I, I don't I, love I, it. <laughs> How can you how can you possibly go <laughs> head over heels for pandemonium and not be in love with this track and potentially even say it's the best thing on this album? That just blows my mind. I think pandemonium's better than this. Oh my but goodness. There's other tracks which are definitely better than this, but we'll get to them. And whatever later. credibility I thought I lost just came back to me with that <laughs> sentence <laughs> wait till we get to Donald Trump just okay. just wait keep going <laughs> nah that's all I gotta say that's all, oh, that's, gotta it. that's all he's got wow <laughs> that's all he's I, got for jerk I really don't have I a feel... lot to say about it it's it's Man. okay what about Jesse's guitar Jesse's guitar's great you said that I don't need to say it again <laughs> okay um you know it, th- them's your drums Marvis. what else can you say <laughs> I don't know <laughs> It's just one of them things, you know. (laughs) Wowzers. Okay, I've got to just take this off, Captain, before I hand it over to Tojam, because this is the jam, man. Wow. Like, the lackluster opening to this album with the first three, quote-unquote, tracks on this CD or on this album, more than make up for it with this, the first single. This groove is freaking awesome. Like, the drum programming combined with the arrangement of all the percussive little parts... Geez, you know, like Player mentioned um, 
you know, what about Jesse's guitar? And yes, it's there and it's fantastic. But it's not just that Jesse's this crazy lead virtuoso, like the slinky, funky ass guitar strumming all throughout this. It's just like the backbone of what makes this. Yeah, it's just so done. It's so nice. So good. So danceable. There's electro synths. They're, they're all over the place. It's so simple. Like, it's just so... This is a case of less is more as far as, you know, playing lines on the synths. They do so little, but it just fills out the track. You know a comparison you can make between this and, say, Jungle Love? is It's basically drums and, you know, Morris singing. And then you've got a bass line playing literally like three notes. Mm. But it's funky as hell. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, exactly. Jungle love. It. Like, it's like it's like a three or four note little thing, and so is this. Dun 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 dun, and that's it. That's keep going. Rest of the song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. all it needs. That's, a, that's exactly right. It's just that the, the basic elements that make it. Everything else on top is great, but it's this. That's what makes the song. And and you say you said three notes. I counted somewhere between four and five note bass line, depending on which which part of the bass line you're referring to. But it just repeats all the way throughout. It's the bass line combined with that guitar with that slinky guitar as i referred to it that just makes this track jungle love is a great comparison and isn't it funny here we go jesse johnson's on this track again i wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if this is maybe not an entirely a jesse johnson idea but i think he's super involved in this i can just feel it and then talking about feeling it man he really feels it with that trebly windy firework of a solo on the strat <laughs> a guitar bit at 343 similar to controversy as player mentioned i never actually noticed that before that controversy part that was awesome and um this is not a song that you can really talk about much you just got to listen to it and if you can find a video of it uh, or even a performance of this yeah. uh, check it out because it's <laughs> super filthy like it just shows you i know i'm gonna get maybe from some people a bit of flack for this, but I reckon the version of the time that played this live might have even kicked the ass of the 84 version of the time uh, live in concert. I don't know. They just, they just, there's something, there's something super tight about them in this point in their career. People just threw their MP3 players out the window <laughs> on the train. They With, just threw it out. <laughs> Toe Jam. Uh, yeah, this is far and away the best song on the album for me. I just love, I love the groove. The groove is so funky. That Lindrum is tightly wound. I love the cowbell in it. Like just think, yeah. think, think just, oh man, so good. Tight synth, uh, like then the clap, uh, that clap and snare sound is just real tight, really good. Yeah. Uh, you got that classic time kind of held synth string note through it again. Uh, as we were saying that the bass line is so simple. It's so similar to chocolate. Like this, this bass line yeah. and the chocolate bass line, they're almost the same. Uh, almost a little bit too similar. It's like, well, maybe you can kind of see why you need a few songs between those two. Uh, I like the chord change to when it goes to the minor four chord. Uh, it's really just synth heaven, Lindrum heaven, this thing. The, the mm. solo by Jesse, you know, cut him Jesse, the way he says that line. And then he just comes in with the craziest like high harmonic squealing note. And then just, I think you said it was like fire. It really is. It just burns that solo. It's good. The chant, classic chant at the end. Uh, fellas, what's the move? Joking everything inside. Fellas, what's the groove? <laughs> Make a little love tonight. Like, that's just a classic <laughs> time chant. There's a big ch- uh, shout out to Kool Aid there, which again makes a <laughs> stack of references in this era. I <laughs> oh, mean, the best version for me, there's, there's a heap of different remixes on this one. The best one wasn't on the CD remix, it was, uh, I think it was a seven inch single release. And it was like the B-side Mo- of something. Mo-Jerkout. The, the Mo-Jerkout. That is yes. the one. That is the f- 
funkiest version. Like it's, it's just instrumental, basically. I think it might have some of the chant choruses, but there's no like vocals. And just everything in that is so crystal clear because you haven't got that layer of vocals over the top of and it. And you know so what good. the reference for that is? Jerk Out and Mo Jerk Out 1990 cassette, you know, B-side. What yep. else did that? Thieves in the Temple, part two, cassette B-side, uh, yeah, yeah. instrumental. Same year, <laughs> exactly the same idea, and it, they're both bloody great. Yeah. <laughs> At 5 minutes 43, you hear someone in the background just quietly say, the master of the jerk out. And I swear, <laughs> that's, <laughs> I swear that's Prince. I swear that's Prince. It's not, it's not entirely clear. We're like, oh, maybe it's not. Like, it's not, it's not definitely him, but I, I reckon it's him. Uh, yeah, like Player said, you've got all those Purple Rain era callbacks. Like, see my house? It's so nice. And the video. We've got to talk about the video. This has a yeah, really cool promo video. Yeah. Uh, it's got this massive, massive pink stretch limousine. There's this Cadillac, guy, Cadillac. Like, oh yeah, the Cadillac. Cadillac. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He goes. There's basically like three clubs, and again, it's this same theme. He goes into the first club, which is kind of like a fancy kind of standard sort of nightclub, and there's this guy. I always thought it was actually Jack Nicholson, but it's not. It's a Jack Nicholson lookalike wearing a Batman shirt. You know, lifting up his glasses, <laughs> checking out the girls and everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jerome's throwing money all around. They're getting the records out. You know, they're taking over the club again. It's the same theme. Uh, then they go to the country club and, you know, they steal the, the girls, the white girls from the country club and the guys are chasing after the car. And, and then they go to the third club and it's like, you know, this really aristocratic kind of club. And, they, and the time looked great then. They're all like wearing different colours. Like I think Morris is in blue, uh, maybe yeah. Terry's in red, Jimmy's in green or something. It just looked like really bright colours. It looks so good. Uh, so, yeah, that's a great, great video. So, yeah, this is this is far and away the best song, the funkiest song. No surprise that it's from that, you know, 81, 1999 album era that those and, sessions and, you know and no surprise that you love it because it's from that era <laughs> exactly and i i loved it even before i knew it was from that era so it's like there's something yeah. about those that 1999 those recordings are so good uh so yeah and, jerk out but you know speaking of the jerk out video they blew their video budget on that song because when they got the chocolate <laughs> <laughs> there's no money in that video I'll tell you that right just now. in the yeah. studio just film it it's all that oh, hiring the cadillac is what it was so. yeah exactly <laughs> well the other interesting thing about this track is allegedly the members of the time chose this from the vault right like they actually they yeah. were the ones that made the decision to go yeah yeah that's funky let's let's redo this so that's another interesting piece you know the first single is basically a print song redone by the by the 1990 version of the time very interesting and with that what else could it be but Yarn. another bloody segue <laughs> right <laughs> right <laughs> out your head uh, captain Lame why don't you tell brain. us what you, what you love about this <laughs> this song specifically <laughs> what boat you riding on <laughs> right. that's what i want to know <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. This is one of we my favourite Prince <laughs> segues ever. Credit to the Prince as well. You know, this is up there with one of the best segues on any Prince-related thing ever. It's just classic. You can't even say anything about it. Just go and listen to it. The classic 22 seconds. I don't know what else you can say. That's it. That's it. That's all you can say. <laughs> all you can do is go and listen to it. 
and laugh your head off. That might have actually been 22 seconds long. Player or Toe Jam, have you guys got anything <laughs> on this before we go into the next piece of music? Uh, I've only got one word and that is annoying. I find the segue quite annoying. I find <laughs> oh that my yount God. sound really... I don't get it. What is the yount thing supposed to mean? Like, did they do it in the Graffiti <laughs> Bridge movies? Well, I've never understood what it's supposed to mean. Is it just well, an annoying sound? Is that, or is that what it is? I don't is, know. Is, yeah. I've got no idea. <laughs> when we interviewed one of the... Time members. It has to be on the top of the list. Yep. The meaning of it. Yeah, I don't know if they've ever explained it. We'll find out. I don't have anything on this track, but I, when this album came out, I was in high school. Every time when class finished, I would write Yont on the blackboard and draw, draw a massive print symbol every time I left <laughs> class. So, like, the next class would come in and they'd just see this everywhere. And it was just kind of like, you know, kind of like that Zorro thing, just like some bandit going around. It was your like tag. Tagging, yeah, tagging yeah. everything. And they're like, I would what the tag hell is this, Yount? Yount, yeah. <laughs> and I would do it all over school, like in every single classroom. So, As long as you weren't doing the jerk out all over school. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> so every time I think of this song, I, it just brings me back to high school and me just kind of kind of defacing the blackboards and the whiteboards, just like writing <laughs> it everywhere. What a juvenile delinquent. I know, right? <laughs> the jerk out was after school, by the way, Tojen. But, um... <laughs> after high school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> high school. Okay. The best, the best thing about this track is it's the intro to the next song. Okay, and the next song is... Track number six, Blondie. Not to be confused with the fantastic band of the same name. I'm going to do something a little bit different now and hand it over to Toe Jam to lead this one off. Uh, okay. I don't like this song. I'm just going to say careful. it straight up. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've always found this song really annoying. Like the way it comes in, it's just bang. Like I used to uh, hate it's... it when, um, you know, I had the iPod going and it would come up on, on a random play and this would just <laughs> smack you in the ears and you'd be like, ah. Um, I mean, the guitar solos are great. I mean, what Jesse's playing is crazy and virtuosic, but it's like, it's just too heavy for me. Like it's, it's like it's trying to be like, she's my cherry pie from Warrant or something like that. Like, you know, the time version of, of that kind of thing. And I just I just find it really loud and, and like I said, uh, just too much reverb on everything. That, you know, she drives me crazy snare drum. That sound is just, I don't like that sound. It's it's too stadium, this one, for me. Oh. It doesn't sound like the time to me. It sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like the time trying to do She's My Cherry Pie. And that's what I, why I don't like it. And it's just one riff. The riff just goes the whole song. What's the song like five, six minutes long? It goes for too long. I just don't like it. It's always been one of my least favourite time songs. It's interesting at the end, though, they have that chat about the girl is dangerous. You know, it's MJ has a song called Dangerous where he's singing about a dangerous girl. I don't know if that's just a coincidence or... Which was just about to come out not long after this. Yeah, hmm. so I guess, who knows? Who knows? It's probably just coincidence, I think. And then it's got a weird sort of unnecessary outro, which is kind of, I guess it kind of sets up for the next song, I guess. But it's, it's a very weird ending, the way it finishes. Yeah, so I'm happy to move on to the next person for this one. I don't, I'm don't, not a big fan of this song. It's, it's oh. very skippable for me. <laughs> oh. oh, Player, your thoughts on Blondie? Uh, this is very rocky. It's got a nice groove, nice chord changes. Again, opens up with some blistering licks from Jesse on the guitar. And it chugs along in the verses, and that's what stands out for me in these tracks, especially the ones that have little or no involvement from Prince. They're really guitar-heavy, I notice, mm. you know. Uh, but they still manage to retain a type of Prince sound to them, I guess, in some sort of way. So, you know, head nod to Jamal Lewis and Jesse for managing to 
able to do that. Uh, the lyrics are, well, they're pretty self-explanatory. Towards they're the end. Pretty, they're pretty sexist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. 5.54, you hear faintly in the background, they're playing rock and roll. Morris is playing rock and roll. <laughs> it's hilarious. That's me. That's me going, what? They shouldn't be playing rock and roll. They should be playing dirty funk. <laughs> there you go. And then, yeah, Toe Jim just touched on it at the end. You have that synth pad for about 15, 20 seconds. I think that was put in there as a breather into the next track you know just because it's such a crazy sort of rock out song and then you're leading into the kind of the ballad so i think that just kind of just winds it down a bit so yeah it's it's cool i like it i think it's you know something different it's there's no prince involvement again in this one so it, you know what it's like and you know jam and lewis came off the back of uh janet jackson's rhythm nation it's a bit black catish you know oh yeah it's got that it's got a bit of black cat which was um Jelly bean song. So hmm. anyway, interesting. All right. Well, I was gonna jump in, but I think we need a bit of a spike in the review of this one. So, Captain, why don't you tell us what you think about this track? So we're going from Toe Jam's least favorite time song ever to <laughs> don't, don't say it. Very don't even probably say it. my favorite time song ever. <laughs> ever. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yes. I freaking love this song. You couldn't script this, this. I probably like player, I'll just take a guess. I first heard this very muffled in the Graffiti Bridge movie. Mm. And it was from there that I searched out and found out what the hell it was and found this album. That's how I even found this album. Oh, oh wow. Was from really? that like wow. 10 second clip in the movie. And I kept replaying that part of the movie a million times, listening to this song. And I'm like, what the hell is this song? It's freaking great. <laughs> And then I finally found it. That's amazing. And found this album, and then it blew my freaking head off. This track, best start to any track on this album, (laughs) and probably the best start to any time track ever. Just blow your head off from the first second. Just, that's what you need. None of this intro bullshit. Just Jesse and drums, and just blow your freaking head off from second one. That's what you need. I don't know. I mean, that riff, the riff is really cool. It just, it just goes it just repeats way too often the the magic of the studio track of this is if anyone tries to play this live they just don't get it right like even when the time played it live it's okay but it's the studio mastery of this track because that's a the timing of that main riff it's simple when you know it but some people don't seem to be able to do it but this song is great one of my favorite songs i'm not going to go through every single thing jesse johnson just going absolutely freaking mental in the solos. I just love this song. I don't even. I, do, I don't want to go in and tell you everything in this song because I don't want to analyze every second of it. It's just a blow your head off song, and I love it, and that's all. Wow. Well, that was a moment I wasn't expecting. I mean, Blondie. Okay. Blonde. What can I say about this? This is unexpected. That's the first word I would use. The second word I would use is refreshing. Because up until this point, aside from the new sound update in the song Pandemonium, and to some degree jerk out, you know, it was the old time with a new kick or a new twist, a new lease of energy. New chili sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then this comes on and I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, am I listening to the time or am I listening to Living Colour or even something that maybe Fishbone would have been putting out at the time. Like this to me, is it blonde or is it dumb blonde? Because I don't know, all the sexy socialites, it's just, it's kind of 
flat for me as far as the groove, the riffing. It's not just not memorable. It's like, again, I like some of Living Colour's material for sure. But for every fantastic Living Colour track, I, I find that their album tracks are kind of just middle of the road mediocre, which is a shame because Vernon Reed is an incredible guitar player, just like Jesse Johnson. But it just doesn't have that spice, that chili sauce that player threw in there. It doesn't have that something else on top that it needs. Jesse and Johnson think- is that chili sauce. <laughs> if Jesse Johnson wasn't on this song, it would not be anywhere near as good as I think it is. He I agree makes with this you. track. He kills it. He makes it. You know, Sa- he saves does, it yeah. from being complete rubbish. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of the problem is like the verse. You know, the verse is singing along with that riff, mm. and that's a cool riff. But it just—it's just too much of it by the end of the songs. I feel—I I feel like that riff is strong, but but because it just constantly starts up and then kind of goes nowhere. And it kind of ends, and then it just repeats that same riff over yeah. and over again. That's one. That's one thing. And the other thing is that, I don't know, can you have too much of a good thing? Like, I can't deny Jesse's sick guitar shredding on this track. But the the issue is that he's all over it. It's almost like from the minute the bell goes to the song ends, it's just like one long solo. I mean, it isn't, but I'm just making, you know, overdoing it to make the point that I just wish there was more like of an eruption uh, with his guitar where like he kind of had a chance to shine and then they'd go back to the groove or something. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> this is one of those tracks where I reckon it could have been super, like Toe Jam says this is heavy. This is not heavy enough for me. Like I wish this song mm. like really yeah. went. I mean, it is went, heavy, but it's it's still pop. Yeah. yeah. Pop it's, rock. Imagine, it's not like heavy rock. Imagine Rage Against the Machine doing this riff. That'd be, oh, that'd be cool. yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yes, I want to exactly. hear them do the hoo-hoos in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Rage That's against the, the machine. Like, She's my cherry pie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on the fence. I, this is a decent track. I think in its infancy, it had some interesting ideas. But by the time it was finished and put on this album, it's like just a watered down version with a lot of shredding, but not a whole lot else for me. I don't know. But it would fit perfectly on Time's Up by Living Colour, which I think came out in the same year. Incidentally, just like the pandemonium track, which you said, you know, sort of fizzles out, doesn't really go anywhere. You said the same thing about this again. I can't get enough of this track. It could go another five minutes and I'd still oh, love it. <laughs> it's just so good. That's something I, I don't have that opinion on any track on this album is that, well, you know, it like fizzles out or it doesn't go anywhere. That is not in my notes for any single track on this album. Yeah. Agreed. But you guys keep saying it, so I don't know. Well, you said fizzle out. I think we might come up with our own Peach and Black theme there. Fizzle out. Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> doom, 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 doom. <laughs> okay, with that, let's go into the next song. The track number is seven. The name of the song is the name of the current... U.S. president. Hopefully hopefully not for too much longer. And he is the white version of Donald Trump. But, of course, this is called Donald Trump black version. And easily counts for one of the strangest song introductions I think I've ever had to do. <laughs> this just feels so weird. 
I don't know what to say. I think I need to go first on this one. Okay, Captain, jump on the bandwagon. Now, this might be a surprise (laughs) to people, it might not. I have the most written about this track more than any other on this album. (laughs) (laughs) Which I really didn't think going into this, you know, starting my notes, that this would be the track I was going to talk about. But after many more listens, I have lots to say. Uh... Toejam said the end of Blondie and then the start of this, it's like a something weird. I love it. I love that transition of those synths at the end of Blondie going into this. Yeah, I think it's necessary. Yeah, it is necessary for the album. Yeah. But they really give me like serious scandalous sex suite vibes. Just mm. those synths and the tempo that comes in. It's just a really nice sound. I like it. Uh, now, this was one that made it through from Corporate World, written by Prince pretty much... Uh, probably the main ballad of the album, except for maybe one other. And on Corporate World, it was the third track. He's ah. infamous third slow song. Yes, like the third there you go, the see? Song. Corporate World and his mm. version of what the time was going to be in 1990 was such a... It just followed the formula so yeah. much. And then this album is just something totally different. So we have Candy Dalfa on the sax. But yeah. apart from her, I'm pretty sure it's all other instruments are Prince even though the band was credited. I don't have that much to say about Morris. I mean, we've talked about Morris and his vocal abilities on other songs and other album reviews. He's it's, He does a good job. You know, he was probably just copying a Prince vocal. At 3.39, you've got the lyric, Diamonds and Pearls. Maybe that's what you need. And what came mm. out, like, less than a the year later. Year. Bang. Yep. So there was a, just a little flash into his brain in 89, 90 when he was forming things in his head. Okay, now, I listened to this album a bunch for doing my notes for this review, and for some reason I kept playing this song. I'd go back and I'd play Blondie, of course, and I'd play a few other songs, and then I kept coming back to this song and I just kept playing it. <laughs> and I, I must have played it like 10 times in a row at one point, and it finally, it, finally, it finally hit me. Is this your bombshell? It finally hit me what this track is. This is basically a rewrite of a door. Mm. Yep. There yes. are so many similarities when you compare them. Like yeah. if you can't what? listen to these two tracks and back to back and hear it from that like that mellow sax sounds to the tempo to the to the main melody that to that nice <laughs> organ sound in the background. That too. That too. What? You got those triplets that dun 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 dun. Yep. That's you got that nice doing. organ sound in the background. Even the style, the way Morris delivers the vocals to those rhythmic hits to accentuate certain lines, it's all there. It, there's what? even It's even similar lyrics. It is insane. And the more you <laughs> compare them, like there's more comparisons. I just kept finding more yeah. and more things. And it totally just blew my own head off with this. I can't believe it's been sitting there all this time. <laughs> and, you know, every time I played this album in the olden days, this track just sort of passed by. I didn't pay any attention to it. I'm like, yeah, it's a boring ballad, whatever. Uh, yeah, Sugar, Can I Rap to You? Yeah, that, that that's in a door as well. Yep. Rap until the sun like, comes up and all that sort of... Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. All these lyrics as well. And like, and just look, even the theme of the song. A door is about, you know, how great the girl is. Yet this track, it's just flipped. And it's all about how great the guy is. It's just... There's so many comparisons to be made. Like, And I've never seen anybody mention this anywhere. I went searching for anyone to be comparing these songs, and I couldn't find it. Like, The connection might only have been in Prince's brain, but it seems he picked his best ballad, and he's like, I'm going to use this you know, template and write this song. And this is it, and rewrote it for this album. Now, if there's, like, I've already heard MC, if there's, like, scoffing 
people out there, go back and listen to these tracks back to back a few times. Oh, I'm scoffing. If you cannot hear this, all these similarities, I don't know what to say. But they are there. And yeah, the more I listened to it, I just kept hearing more and more things. And that's all I've got to say. The end. Wow. wow. This is, this is a that, door part two, uh, what, three, that, not, three years later? So all that's part three? Yeah, yeah, Come pretty on. much. <laughs> Pretty oh, much, which, is, which sweet, is a nice song as well. Adore Sweet. Yeah, one, two, three. But that's the 10-minute version of Adore. There you go. <laughs> Prince said it. It's in the vault. That's yeah, the 10-minute version. That's it. That's it. You go Adore, Donald Trump-like version, all that. There you go. Bang. Oh, that'd be, an, that'd be, I'd be tempted to try and put that all together, actually. Mega mix. Do it. Do it. <laughs> I don't know if I speak for everyone else, but you have absolutely flabbergasted me. I... I'm speechless. I my, honestly, my, my job is done then. I honestly, <laughs> I honestly think, or didn't think, that I would ever find a single reason to have. Now that we're doing this review, I thought maybe I'll spend the rest of my life never having to actually play this song on purpose again. And you have come out now and said something that never in my wildest dreams would I imagine you would say, comparing this to a door. And now, me either. You've done me is, either. You've, you've bloody. You've bloody forced me to now go back, play the two songs back to back and do that bloody experiment to work out what the heck you're on about. And um, I'm looking forward to doing it. But Even that main melody's the same. It's just like there's so many similarities. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. How do you follow that? Um, <laughs> Toe Jam, what do you think? What do you think of this track? Well... I actually really love the music, like Captain's been talking about. I, I totally agree with the music side of things. Uh, it's so obviously a Prince composition. It's got that music box, that carousel ballad kind of thing that he does with major chords and diminished chords. It's, it's so much like a door. It is. It's got those triplets, that dun 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 dun, that kind of thing in it. A really nice chorus as well. It, it, I've also got down here, You Make My Sunshine, and it also has that Stillwood Sand or Time kind of sound to it as well. Um, there's some really nice echo on the snare drum, so like semi-quaver echoes, like it's really cool. Uh, Captain mentioned the Diamonds and Pearls reference in there. It's the song title that kills it for me, and especially yeah. nowadays, even more so nowadays, like Donald Trump black version. <laughs> the song title alone just asks to be skipped, and it's a shame because everything about the song except for that lyric is really good, and I just think if that lyric had been replaced with something else, you know, I mean, I'm sort of even, this is what I thought even before Trump was president and everything. It's like, it's just a weird title and a weird idea. Like, I guess. Well, um, it's you know, not, really. You've got to go <laughs> back to like 1989 when yeah. when bloody Donald Trump's just this fancy businessman in New York. Yeah. You Tokyo. know, who everybody yeah. wants to be. I want to be successful like this guy. Well, yeah. and Playboy as well, because Donald Trump back then. Yeah. He was like, he was the, the man on the town, you baby, yeah. you know. <laughs> so it's. I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's it's made even more awkward nowadays because it's like, yeah, just that. Uh, can you believe that there's a song about Donald Trump <laughs> by Prince? It's so weird. It's so strange. I should have started the review by going, "Oh, this is a great song. It's such a great song. Never been a song greater. <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. It's the greatest song ever." Yeah. So I really find like this is kind of a, a slept-on song by a lot of Prince fans. I think. Um, if you can get over that title and if you can get over that it's singing about Donald Trump and just, you know, imagine it as a Prince ballad. It's like it's hard to say that it's not that far behind some of those other classics. It really is kind of interesting. 
It's a weird. It's just weird. This song is so weird. That's all I'm going to say. Nobody knew. Nobody knew how great this track was. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, jeez. We've got a song. It's a song. It's <laughs> it's the black version of the song, and we think it's a good song. <laughs> okay, player, what do you think of this? Where do we even start with this? <laughs> From the I wish we never titled it this files. <laughs> yeah. Comes this song. I, I like I, I really want to know what the time think of this song now. You know, what what how do they feel about this? Mm. I mean it was never a big hit for them anyway, so it's not like, you know, it's a song they have to play in their live repertoire or anything. But yeah, I mean Candy's on the sax and I mean forgetting the subject matter aside. I don't know. For me, it's a very cheesy song in its sound and execution, but maybe that's deliberate. Like, you know, like Chili Sauce and all this sort of these sort of other ballads where they kind of got this bit of humor in it. The piano in this track's really nice. There's some really thick uh, synth bass that's driving it with some sparkly chimes sprinkled throughout. But Morris's vocal, that deep register, I reckon Larry Graham could pull this song off. <laughs> it Maybe it's yeah. even inspired by one of... His type of ballads, Honey, one in a million, baby. You truly know it. Like it's it's got that Larry Larry Donald Trump. <laughs> Don, do you love the Donald? So like you know, it's, there is there is some Larry in this. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's just for me. It's I mean with the unfortunate title. Um, and the subject matter, I guess. But you know, it's just it's very like a big cheesy ballad for me. So. Yeah, you can probably put this on the list of, you know, any Prince track which has aged the worst simply by the title of the track. Mm. It's just, like, there's no way that the time could sing this now. Oh, yeah, no way. There I mean, no way. it would be you know, because be quite For good. them to sing this song now about this, you know, alleged, you know, multiple times accused sex offender, and they want to say, <laughs> I'm, the bl- I'm the black version of that. That is not going to work. That Didn't is not going to work. The casino or something as well. Exactly. <laughs> Possibly the easiest yeah. way to make money on earth. I don't even start me on that. It is just crazy <laughs> to think that Trump almost certainly heard this song. He couldn't not yeah. have. Like back then, it would His have been. Ego. You yeah. know, it's a someone fairly, would have played it to him. Yeah. Someone he would have listened to it just to check what what are they talking about? Like that just blows my mind. Trump's listening to <laughs> Donald Trump like version. <laughs> crazy. So now we know that Donald Trump has listened to Prince. If what Tojam is saying is true, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, this to me... Come on, MC, bring it home. This is the... I uh, just thought of, like, Ivanka, like, I don't know, playing this song. (laughs) What, Ivanka Trump, black version? (laughs) Turns the light off, puts on Donald Trump, black version. (laughs) She's like, I wish. Okay, this is the toilet break of the album for me. How can you possibly do anything to this song is my comment or commentary around it. I mean, aside from the fact that you guys have just been talking about, it's crazy to believe that 30 years later, he's actually the president of the US. It's just schmooze, schmaltzy schmooze with, even though he's not credited, I will I will always believe that Kenny G is playing sax somewhere on this track. <laughs> you, you will not convince me otherwise. You say Candy Dolpha, but I say Kenny G. It's the outer, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I mean, all you need to do is throw a bit of Michael Bolton and Yanni before and after this, and you've got yourself a three-piece suite for a memorable night. That's for sure. Um, so you're calling Prince's rewrite of arguably his best ballad ever, like an awful track. Something something along those lines, allegedly, wow. even wow. though I have to do the comparison. 
I don't know. This is an album track for sure. Just like just like a door. Wow, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I really have nothing else to add to this. How many times have we talked about Morris Day doing ballads? And mm. most of the time, yeah, you just can't enough. take you can't take him seriously yeah. Yeah. because he's mm. the comedy guy. Morris is the comedy character. When he tries and does a serious song, you just can't separate yeah. you know the comedy from Morris. It just you can't it can't be done. So when he even when he attempts like a serious song, you're like, oh, it's cheesy, it's schmoozy, it's this, it's that, because you just cannot take <laughs> Morris Day seriously singing a ballad. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. There's like if no pr- way. if Prince sang this. And you just change those four words in the chorus, it'd be a freaking masterpiece. <laughs> He's not too. F- yeah, no. Tell me it's right. not true. Yeah. <laughs> you change the four words in the chorus, and Prince sings this song, it'd be freaking. It'd be up there with the I, door. I let's agree to disagree on, on that one. No, I don't Jeez. agree to disagree. I disagree. I agree to. I agree to disagree. Toe Jam agrees. L- let's Are let's move on. Baby. Larry agrees, that's for sure. You've been listening to another classic Peach and Black podcast. Catch all our episodes at podbean.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Mixcloud, and all good podcast directories. Search for Peach and Black Podcast. You can continue your Peach and Black experience online. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The Peach and Black Podcast is written and produced by Rob S., Player, Tojem and Captain. Original theme music by ToeJam. Audio production and additional audio editing by Captain at Funky Temple Studios. Episode artwork by Reverend. Share our podcast with your friends and Prince fans. If you love our show, please write a review on Apple Podcasts. You can contact the Peach and Black Podcast by email at peachandblackpodcastofficial at gmail.com.